0: Welcome to Leading Simple with Rusty George. Our goal is to make following Jesus and leading others a bit more simple. Here's your host, Rusty George. Hey everyone, what's going on? New year, new you. It's a new podcast format. We have recently been picked up by an incredible platform called Charisma, and they literally house incredible podcasts, and they have a 5 million person reach per month. And we're so grateful to be a part of this incredible platform. So thank you for having us. And for all of the listeners of Charisma who might be checking us out, thank you. We're honored to be part of this group. We've also picked up some sponsors that are helping make the show happen. Today we're sponsored by Gromentum, an organization that helps churches reach their potential. Personally, I love this group. We've benefited from them and their work for years. You can find out more at gromentumgroup.com and they help you work on the church, not just in it. We're also sponsored by the incredible church planting organization known as Stadia. Uh, Recently, they decided to cut all their fees for new churches so that those churches can plant more churches. And they're just an incredible organization, kingdom-minded. We worked with them for years. And if you're interested in planting a church, you may check them out. And even if you're interested in planting a church in California, you may contact us here at Real Life Church. We'd love to be in partnership with you through Stadia. We've used uh, Stadia's resources to help make a lot of churches happen and love partnering with them and the great guys over there at Stadia. Okay, today, my guest is a pastor and author who at one time was leading thousands of young adults in a ministry in Texas and left that to go take a church over in Waco, Texas. And as a result of his time with young adults, he's written a book called Welcome to Adulting. It's a great book. I had my daughter read it. And there's a new book coming out called Outdated. And as we define in the show, the three options most singles have today is hanging out, hooking up, or home alone. And I think you're going you're to love this conversation, and you're going to find a new option, which will really help out a lot of our single adults and young adults. Here we go. Well, JP, uh, we're so glad to have you on the podcast. And I assume you are probably called JP more than your full name because the last name is a little difficult to say. So will you yeah. just say it all for us for one? Yeah, Pacluda.
1: So Jonathan Pacluda and thanks for having me on. I'm so grateful to be with you today.
0: Well, it's, a, it's an honor for us to be here because uh, there's just um, – there's so much I want to ask you about, and I think you and I have some similar paths and that we started off our ministry world and career in young adult ministry. That's right. Personally, I found it to be the greatest thing because they were as fun as high school kids, but more responsible. They all could drive and I didn't have to deal with parents or release forms. Is that the way you felt as well?
1: That's exactly right. And, you know, every now and then parents would call me. You know, I bet more and more, which is kind of the heart of that that first book, Welcome to Adulting. But uh, I loved it, and I don't think I realized how good I had it because you have the protection of the, the senior pastor, the protection of the church, yet you get to go lead a church and have fun and, and do all of this with a budget, and you're not thinking about, you know, really much anything else and so then Mm. when you go out on your own you're kind of like oh what did I do I just walked away from the the herd and
0: now I'm I'm out here with the wolves I totally agree I was so much more uh, embracing of risk when I was yeah. a young adult pastor, because who cared if it bombed? We just you know retooled and did something different the next week. But yeah, if somebody was going to be on sixty
1: minutes or something. It wasn't going to be you. You know that's,
0: that's right. That's right. They don't care about me. Yeah. Well, you have because of your time in young adult ministry, and you led one of the largest young adult ministries, I think, in in Christendom in history, uh, especially with the uh, the advent of campuses and social media and uh, and technology, but you spent a lot of time with young adults, and and you've written now three books. Your third comes out here in just a a few weeks, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But you wrote a book called Welcome uh, the Future Church, uh, and you talked a lot about uh, just kind of what church is going to look like, which for all of our church leaders out there, this is a great pickup for you. But I want to drill down on Welcome to Adulting. And this is a book that is really targeted towards young adults. They say that You know, adulthood doesn't begin at 18 like it used to or even 22 like it used to, but now it's more like 28 or 30 and kids are staying at home a lot longer. And certainly where I live in California, you just can't afford to go out and get an apartment with your friends. So tell me a little bit about where the book came from and kind of what your intention was with it yeah so yeah
1: the delayed adolescence phenomenon that you 're talking about, so I was in young adult ministry. I led a ministry called the porch. Uh, the porch grew from one hundred and fifty people to about four thousand in the room, but then ultimately eighteen campuses around the country that were all streaming what we were what we were uh, saying to the four thousand that were in the room. And so it just basically had a front row seat, Rusty, of what God is doing through young adults, Mm -hmm. these 20 and 30-somethings. And so much of ministry, as you know, is pattern recognition. And so I would watch these – young adults kind of leave the nest. They graduate from college, they get into the real world. They'd say, man, is this it? Everyone would kind of hit their, they'd get a job, they love the job, they hate the job. That was really the pattern, right? Mm-hmm. They would, uh, they began to focus on, okay, what does it look like for me to convince someone of the opposite sex to spend the rest of their life with me? How do I make six figures? You know, how do I find a job? How do I find my calling? What do I want to do? What does it look like to follow my heart? And it was just like, the, I, was, I was answering the same questions over and over and over again. And uh, and so I just started writing some of those down. I mean, some of those pitfalls and some of those the blessings that people saw. I saw those who um, kind of walked a path that led to life and blessing and and, a, and a, an abundant relationship with Jesus. And I saw those that walked a path that led to death and depression and despair hmm. and being jobless and relationshipless and and um, and in a lot of ways hopeless. And not that all of those are synonymous, but that's just kind of the journey for some. And so as I wrote down those observations, it turned into 12 chapters and became Welcome to Adulting.
0: And that became your way to just hand it out to people so you don't have to keep re-explaining yourself all over the time, right? In
1: a lot of ways. I mean, that's why we create resources because it's both efficient, it saves us time, but it's also helpful for the the end user, the receiver, the person you're ministering to, because it kind of gives them you know, everything in, in a digestible format that they can read at their, their own pace. Yeah.
0: Well, it's a great book. And I got a copy of it after I heard you on uh, Carrie Newhoff's podcast. And I read it and then I had my 17-year-old at the time read it and then we discussed it. And I I highly recommend that because you what you do is you bring up subjects that either I haven't thought of or sometimes I'm not brave enough to say to my kid and uh, then you get to be the bad guy. And then I, you know, get to kind of clean it up. And that yeah. was so helpful for some of our conversations. It's just such a great read. Now I want to, I want to drill down on some of these concepts because you talk a lot about freedom and seeking freedom, but too much freedom can be harmful. Uh, talk a little bit about that and what you've seen.
1: Yeah. I think all of us have this deep desire for freedom and, um, we we want to do what we want to do when we want to do it. Like ultimately, mm-hmm. what that looks like. That kind of started in the kingdom with Lucifer, right? The 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 fall of 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 the first angel, if you will. Um, it's it's we we don't want to worship God. We want to be God, mm-hmm. and we don't want to be told what we can and can't eat in the garden. We want to eat whatever we want when we want to eat it. And so as we pursue that freedom, I think for a lot of us, that leads to a place where the freedom that we want is freedom from integrity. Um, We want to be able just to, you know, eat what we want to eat, look at what we want to look at, do what we want to do in a dating relationship. And so that freedom can turn into bondage. Like I can say, hey, I want the freedom to look at pornography, right? And so I look at pornography... And then all of a sudden I show up to my accountability group and I'm like, yeah, I did this. And then all of a sudden I can't stop doing that and I'm stuck. I walked into a cage. It's not, it's not any, it was well, not different than sin, but you can think about heroin. Like people want the freedom to do heroin and they try this drug. And then all of a the sudden they're addicted to this drug and they're stuck in this drug. And mm-hmm. so the, there's a kind of the great paradox of the Christian faith is that, that surrender or freedom actually comes through submission and victory comes through surrender. Like the, the foundation of victory in the Christian faith really comes from tapping out. And that's a, that's a really crazy idea. And a lot of times as we operate in the flesh, that bondage and, and slavery mm-hmm. comes from our pursuit of freedom. And so this, this idea was something that I just saw over and over and over, people not being able to break free from those addictions. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and experientially, a, that's my, my story too.
0: Well, yeah, I think we've all wrestled with some of those demons. The problem is, is that many of us wrestled with them when we were older and now kids are struggling with that at 12, 13, 14, when their that's brain right. is not fully formed and it, it really begins to jack up even their, their you know the chemistry of their head. So that's right. you talk a little bit about there's some authorities that we should allow to govern us. That's right. Um, what, what are those? I think you have three in there.
1: Yeah. And so it's just, it's the ones that the scriptures say. And so uh, the, you, you say the word govern us. And so first is a government. And we see that in Romans 13. We see that in first Peter and, and we want to come up with these excuses and say, yeah, well they didn't have the governing authority that we have now. <laughs> You're right. They didn't, they had much worse, right? They had Nero, who is stitching animal skin to humans and releasing dogs on them for fun, for sport or lighting people so that they can be lamps on the side of the road. I mean, it's just really crazy corrupt government that the scripture is saying to submit to Um, the, the second would be employ employers, um, your, your authority at work. I, I see a lot of this with young adults. They're, they're looking for their calling they don't really want a job. They want get to get paid to do a hobby. And, and so this trying to teach this lesson that work is hard because of Genesis 3, right? We're going to work the ground and it's going to war against us. And just because something's hard doesn't mean it's wrong, hmm. that there are things that are worth doing that are difficult and that we have to work hard at. And then um, thirdly is just church. Hebrews 13, 17 says, you know, submit to your authority, submit to your elders that you be a joint of a hindrance and so it's my hope that these young adults, people who are in their twenties and thirties, would not just go to church and not just look at the ch- buffet of churches and consume podcasts and and continue just to hear their favorite preachers, but that they would belong to the local expression of the church, that they would be a member there and under the authority of elders there, that they would serve there and contribute there with their their you know gifts and talents.
0: All right, let me ask you from the perspective of a parent. Um, I've got a 18-year-old and a 16-year-old now. There's others that are listening. They have a, you know, a 22-year-old and a 26-year-old living at home. And we all know that we, you know, they want more freedom. We just talked about that. And as parents, we feel like, well, you're 18, you get more freedom, or you're 22, you get more freedom. And then we hear all these dangers of of things that they get into, these these cages they walk into, as you said, our, our kind of knee jerk reaction is to say, okay, we're cutting off social media. We're shutting off the Wi Um, you're going to be in church every Sunday and the pendulum swings the other way. Is there some middle ground? Are there some boundaries that you've seen that really help parents prepare their kids for the adult world?
1: Yeah, it's such a great question. And right now there's some, there's a movie making its round, the social dilemma. Yeah. It yet, but it's, um, It's just just presenting the the dangers of social media, Um, sexting, the way that people date, change. You you mentioned outdated coming out. That book is really talking about that idea. And so, yes, I think for the parent, there is middle ground. So one is giving my child the freedom. The next is removing that freedom. And then I would just say the the middle ground is um, freedom, and I'm going to inspect it. Mm -hmm. And so you have the freedom to do uh, these things, and I'm I'm going to watch you. It's a trust but verify relationship. So I trust you, and I'm going to verify that you're doing the right thing. Um, not trusting you would look like not you not having a phone, you not having a driver's license, you not being able to dr- take in the car, you not be able to hang out with those friends alone. That would look. That's what a lack of trust would look like. Uh, complete trust would look like, hey, you do whatever you want. I'm not even going to check in at all. And what I th- I would say, what love looks like. Is hey, you go and do those things. You're going to have the freedom to fail, and I'm going to check in and and see how you're doing. So I'm going to I'm going to read your texts. Um, I'm going to see who you're talking to. I'm going to see who you're friends with. I'm going to read your comments. You know what you need. What parents need to be concerned about is is when their kids like, no, mom, you can't follow me. You know that's like give me. I need privacy. And I hear parents say, you know, I want to give them privacy. It's like no, man. Listen. You, you, you think back to the things that you did when you were 16 and then imagine if you had the technology of FaceTime, right? Everything's changed. Technology has changed all of this. Mm-hmm. Sin, in my, you know, I, I talk to people who struggle with pornography all the time and, or they say they struggle with porn. I say, how do you access porn? And they say my phone. I say, where's your phone? And they say, well, it's in my pocket. I say, Oh, you're not struggling with porn. You're carrying it around with you everywhere you go. Right. And so what does it look like for us to build some walls of accountability around our devices or around these things that, that do enslave us? And I think the most loving thing a parent can do is, is just check in, you know, mm-hmm. and cry to, to give you one word. <laughs> Love looks like prying yeah. in Their world.
0: I know. And I used to always, um, I used to not have a lot of empathy towards parents that just want to be friends with their kids until my kids hit that age of high school, yeah. I thought how much I want that because they're resisting it so much. Yeah. Um, but that danger of just saying, well, I'm not going to pry. I'm just going to give them their space. That's when they just make some of the worst decisions and they end up enslaved to various things. I know in your own journey, you've talked a lot about struggles with uh, pornography and you came to Christ at the age of, uh, well, it was Post college, I believe, or uh, around that age, nineteen years ago. So, tell me a little bit about just your own journey, and and would you be, you know, obviously willing to share some of that? But just kind of how you came to Christ through all that.
1: For sure, man. I was raised Catholic.
0: um, Didn't go to school
1: in. I mean, didn't go to church. I didn't go to school in college. I didn't go to church in college, and so I really left my house. Uh, with all the freedom that college has to offer, and none of the maturity to go with that freedom, mm-hmm. and my my worldview of God was that He was kind of the sheriff in the sky that wanted to get me if I did something wrong, and so I'm it, when I get to college in the first two weeks, I mean I I went through true love weights, man. I had the ring, you know. I I just. I grew up in the Baptist youth group, even though I was Catholic, and I, my mom was Lutheran. I wasn't; I was over church. My my life was saturated with church things. I went to a parochial school for nine years, a church school for nine years, and so now I'm at college. I mean, the first two weeks, epic failure. Mm. I'm talking drugs, sex, parties, just everything. I'm saying my prayers at night, like I always did, you know, and and I just I'm in my twin size bed my on-campus apartment, and I just start weeping, just crying, like snot crying, just sobbing all by myself. And I'm like, there's no God that hears me. My prayers are bouncing off the ceiling. Like mm. God doesn't want anything to do with me. Mm-hmm. And, and the next day I didn't know what to do. And so I reached out to someone and, and I just kind of confessed all my sins to them. And they said, yeah, that's just kind of what you do in college. You know, you kind of sow your wild oats. And it was, it, they gave me some really bad advice, like really terrible advice. But it was kind of prophetic in a sense. They said when you, when you leave college, you get right with God. Well, what happened, and they, they said it so flippantly, but what happened was in those two years, I went to a two-year college. Right? My college story is just academics was never really my thing. Um, Meaning, I never excelled at academics, and so I, I kind of crammed four years of partying into two years. And I left college with just some serious scars. We talk about those, you know, that cage. I mean, I just was yeah. enslaved, and so that looked like strip clubs and and impure relationships with women, and really never learning how to treat a woman. And and then and then the the explosion of internet pornography and really getting a an internet connection. At my, at my place so that I could watch porn, look at porn, you know, view porn, and then going into the professional world with such an addiction, there were, there were times, Rusty, where I would take off work so that I could stay home and just binge on porn all day. And that's not to mention, you know, experimenting with cocaine, experimenting with ecstasy, smoking weed, you know, every day, first season of my life. And so these things, they just, they grip your soul, man. Mm-hmm. They, they, they own you. But nothing, I will say, nothing gripped me as, as tightly as internet pornography. And so when I, you know, I was at a club 19 years ago and someone invited me to church, I sat in the back row, hung over, um, smelt like smoke from the night before and really began to wrestle with, okay, what do I, I, was confronted with this reality of what do I believe about God? I've always said that I believe in God. I say I'm a Christian. I checked that box on a, on a survey, but what do I really believe about God? Because I'm not doing the things that He would want me to do. Clearly, I don't fear Him.
0: Let me interrupt this podcast to let you know some exciting news. My latest book, After Amen, is now on Audible. I sat down several months ago and read it out loud, and our amazing team here got it up on Audible, and you can now buy it today. So for those wanting to read it, but you need to do so on the run, now you can. Download today through Audible or Amazon, and enjoy. Okay, back to the show.
1: Clearly, I don't fear him. And I just started started trying to figure out, all right, who is God? And I looked at the Hindu faith the Buddhist faith, the Jewish faith, Islamic faith, Mormons, Jehovah's Witness, Church of Christian Science, Scientology. And, I, and in that journey, God in His mercy and grace, I kept tripping over this character in history named Jesus. And I realized that Jesus on the cross, that that was for me, that mm-hmm. he, he died for me, that He was paying a price for my sins, and that He defeated death, giving me hope for eternal life. And and ultimately I trusted in Christ, which was different than a, a cerebral, you know, head knowledge. I mean, I, I placed my faith in Jesus Christ and everything in my life began to change. What I did for fun changed, who I hung out with changed, the way I dated changed. All of that changed. And so as ministering to young adults, it's like, man, I know what these guys struggle with because I was just there. I was I was just partying with them, you know. Yeah. So
0: Well, I appreciate you sharing that because I think that's a lot of people's stories. And I think people that are listening, they have a son or daughter that's right in that world. And and I think this will be a tremendous encouragement to them to know that there is a way out. Um, And I think what people often assume is the way out is just to cut off all the fun. But really, it's to find freedom. It's to not be enslaved to those things. And as Jesus said, he came to give us life and life abundantly. So. Uh, Your book talks a lot about that in Welcome to Adulting. Uh, The book that comes out uh, here in a few weeks is called Outdated. And you touched on this just for a minute, but I mean, dating when I was in high school and college was, um, you know, you'd call somebody up, you ask them out, you go out for uh, dinner and a movie or whatever it is, or putt-putt. And uh, it's a lot different now. And you really dive into that because there's really not dating. There's hanging out. There's uh, a lot of, uh, you know, as you said, sexting and uh, those kind of uh, uh, temptations people have. I mean, why the book outdated and, and what's the perspective that you're taking on it and, and kind of tools that you give um, young adults today?
1: Yeah, it can feel like there's hanging out, right? That, that's kind of this Christian version of, <laughs> you know, being around the opposite sex and not going anywhere. There's hooking up, mm-hmm. which is what you're seeing a lot in the world. And then there's home alone. And uh and so that's that that feels like your three options if you're a single person right now. I can I can hang out, hook up, or be home alone. And I um I think for parents it's really important that we do understand that this world has changed radically with the invention of dating apps, uh Tinder, Bumble, you know, grinder, all of these different um ways that technology attempt to help us find love. Uh mm-hmm. we are we are getting better at dating, meaning there's more assistance. I say better in quotes, you can't see me, but there's meaning there's more assistance in, in the world of dating. And yet we're getting worse and worse at marriage. Marriage is happening later. It's happening less and it's ending more often than it ever has. The, the statistics around marriage, even in the church are really grim, uh, gloomy. And so, um, outdated, is this book that that seeks to speak to Christians or those who want to date according to the will of God in the 21st century? what does that look like? What am I allowed to do? Is it okay if I use dating apps? Can girls ask guys out what is you know how do I know if I found the one um, what you know how long should we date? What does that look like and so this book seeks to address all of these issues and so I do something rusty on friday 's called. Uh, Friday Q&A it's on Instagram and I'll, I'll, I'll receive you know a, a thousand to two thousand questions and what it does for me is it allows me to see the questions that people are asking and so this book is really written to address the primary relationship questions mm. that people are asking in the 21st century
0: and give me and some it does, of, give ahead. me some of those questions I think you probably just dropped a few of them right there but what are some of the big ones
1: yeah. How long should we date? Uh, you know, uh, how long is too long? How far is too far? Can girls ask guys out you know, what is it, what does it look like to be led in a relationship? Uh, is, is it okay to use dating apps? So what if I don't have any prospect? What if I've never been asked out? What if I've never kissed a guy? Um, you know, how, how far is too far? If um, you know, what, what do I do if I have, if I've um, you know, been, Sexually promiscuous, and the, how do I start over? So those are those are some of them, just off the top of my head.
0: Okay, let's um, let's say you're giving uh, um, some parents some advice on how to coach their seventeen-year-old um, in dating. What would you say to them? Yeah, well, uh,
1: <laughs> I don't know if you're gonna like this answer. The uh, I would I would say to my seventeen-year-old. I would say what, you know, what is, let's define dating. Mm. And so I think dating is a pathway to a promise. Um, Dating is a relatively new idea. And so I would, I really would start all the way back here. So dating has understand that dating has been around for about a hundred to 120 years. It started as a euphemism for prostitution. So to go on a date was to pay for sex or to exchange an experience for sex. This is, this is truly how that word entered our English language. (laughs) And so today it is our method to get to marriage. Marriage is God's invention. God has a lot to say about marriage. He has nothing to say about dating. Now he has principles that he says that kind of speak into this idea, uh, idea of dating. But it, because it's a modern phenomenon, it's kind of like, you know, the Bible doesn't say anything about the iPhone because <laughs> the, the iPhone wasn't around. It doesn't say anything about dating. Um, and so I, I would say to my 17-year-old, like, why do you want to date? How many of your friends do you know that have begun to date and how did that go? And I would just, I would try to build credibility with them. Hey, I want you to watch them. Well, Hey, but everybody's doing it. I know. How is that? You're right. You're hundred percent right. Everybody is doing it. How is that working out for everybody? Right. And so watch, because, Hey, do you know if it, you know, let's say I'm talking to my daughter, You know, do you know what your friends can, can can you, t- do you remember the sleepless nights they've had when they, they called you and they said they didn't sleep last night because, you know, Johnny broke their hearts and now Johnny's dating, you know, Sarah and now you hate Sarah and Sarah's wrote mean things about you on the bathroom wall. Like, why did all that happen? And it's because you were dating in a time when you weren't thinking about marriage. It's not like this is going to go to, and I know you were naming your kids and saying yeah, white picket fence and German shepherd and you know, this is where we're going to live. But in reality, you've got to go to college. You have all of this life to live between now and then. And so I would date when you're ready to get married. And until then, I would be friends. You know, it's like, well, can I have a boyfriend? I said, man, you can have boys that are friends. You should, sure. I have lots of boys that are friends, you know, and hang out. But, but when you move toward that exclusive and exclusivity, you start to play marriage. Your heart wasn't made to do that. That's a new phenomenon. And are you going to survive? Yes. Are you going to submit yourself to a lot of heartache that you weren't created to submit yourself to? Yes, you are. Um, just like I did, just like most everyone does, but there is a better way. And I'm not, I'm, I'm really not saying, uh, I want to be clear. I'm not saying I kissed dating goodbye. Like I've got no issue with dating being a pathway to marriage, but that's what it is. And so, I wouldn't advise it until you're saying, "Hey, I want to be married," and so then they might say, "If somebody's, like, wow, that's radical. What about Sadie Hawkins or you know, prom or you know, the dances and all of that?" And are you saying you should? No, I don't. I got no issue with someone going to a dance together, to a friend, and and having fun. But in reality, a lot of times at the end of that, we're looking for permission to sin. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, well, can we stay at so and so's house because they're having a party and this. It's like, no, you don't have to do that. You, know? you just don't have to do it. You can You can do something else called honoring the Lord.
0: We all rented a hotel room. We're going over there just to hang out. What could go wrong?
1: Yeah, what could go wrong? South Padre, spring break, no big deal.
0: Exactly. Oh, my goodness. That's such great, great wisdom. So the book's title is Outdated, Finding Love That Lasts When Dating Has Changed. Um, it's available wherever books are sold. You can pre-order it on Amazon right now. I'm sure. Is there a preferred site you want to send everybody to?
1: Well, I, here's what I would say to to your listeners, Rusty is is I'm gonna do I'm I'm doing uh, uh, this this interview with my wife, and so you know she, people don't see her often. She's an amazing woman. She doesn't love the spotlight. She doesn't love the camera. She doesn't love the microphone, <laughs> and she's incredibly gifted, an incredible mom. And, uh, and we've worked through a lot, like you heard my story. And so we were dating, we started dating as non-believers mm-hmm. and, and became Christians in the midst of our relationship, both of us. And, uh, and so we, we both have these scars and God, the, the, the grace of Jesus Christ has just been abundant in our lives from what he's healed us from. And so I've done this interview with her, uh, about dating. And it, it's, it's, you know, it's, uh, it's PG thirteen at best, you know. It's mm-hmm. it's honest, is what I would say, and um, and I would love to give that to any of your listeners that pre-order this book. And so if if they pre-order and they can just they can reach out at leadership at harriscreek and just let me know. Hey, I heard you uh, with Rusty, and I pre-ordered your book, and you know shoot shoot a screenshot or something, and then I'd love to send them that interview.
0: That's great. Thank you for that. I want to ask you one last thing. Ask me anything. And this is uh, pertaining to church leaders who are, are watching the numbers continue to dwindle of kids that come out of their youth ministry and stick around for church. Yeah. It seems like COVID taught us so much about how to reach the next generation just by getting online. Uh, yep. So many churches didn't even have a website. But so um, by virtue of just becoming digital, um, it kind of forced us forward about five or six years uh, right. in about six months. Well said. What, what is next for the church to really connect with this next generation? What are you seeing we have to be able to do rather than just, uh, you know, dress like they do or, or, or use uh, Snapchat? So how in the world do we really um, kind of update our churches so we're reaching the next generation? Man,
1: I, I know we,
0: we've never met before, right? To the best of my knowledge,
1: you and I right. have never met before. Yeah. I, I just sense a kindred spirit with you. I love what you just said. Because you don't, I think that's the lie that people believe, pastors believe that you have to be cool, hip, relevant, trendy. You know, I mean, I, some of the hardest thing to do in ministry is to convince the, the 65-year-old that the, the 25-year-old really does want to learn from you. He really right. does want to spend time with you. And is hungry for that discipleship is not dead and so in some ways it's it's going back to the basics so you'll read matthew 16 when jesus says i'm going to build my church and the gates of hades will not overcome it uh that that prophecy has has come to fruition now that that over a billion people gather in his name any given sunday and and so we call those young adults to something be real they don't want to they don't want a replica of their favorite celebrity pastor. They want you being honestly you. They want to hear about the, the fight you got in with your spouse. And the last time you sinned. they don't need you walking a foot above the, the earth, you know, being holier than thou. Hmm. Be honest um, and give them a heroic vision. And so the worst thing that you can do to reach the next generation is to dumb down the ask. Be like, hey, will you just come for an hour? And all you got to do is hold you know, don't ever say all you have to do. All you got to do is hold open a door. All you got to do is stand there and smile. No, say, Hey, come and die. Meaning take up your cross. That's what Jesus had these huge asks of people to the rich young ruler. He said, you know, sell everything you have, give it to the poor and follow me. Mm -hmm. And so what I've seen in young adults is, is when you, when you lower the bar, they're out on that. But when you raise the bar and you say, no, this is going to be hard. I don't know if you're ready, but I will come alongside you. I will help you. I will disciple you and pour into you they want to be invested in in in, um, in, in that way and then I would say you know give them uh, opportunities to fail meaning don't do ministry to them but do ministry through them and so let them let them have the fun let them do the ministry bring them with you to the meeting with the girl that had just had an abortion or uh, to the to the guy that's cutting himself or to the person who's suicidal say hey come with me and love on this person with me and uh let them let them do the things that Jesus did. now I know that
0: that's a little bit different than the nature of your question because with mm, covid no, that's, it's that's spot on ahead. because it's more than just we got to get a you know a cooler uh sound system or a better hazer. That's right. Um those were the days when I was in young adult ministry. Um right. we were just trying to get beyond the choir and the stained glass and now it's it's so much different than that and you're right. Uh, just real authentic. And, and, uh, that just goes so, so far. And it's like, I could give you a technology answer, you know,
1: maybe, maybe we're going to be using VR goggles soon, like ready player one. Maybe there's going to be hologram pastors. Maybe there's going to be second string technology where, you know, you're sitting there and your Bible scrolling with you as you talk that all of that stuff, or maybe people will just, you know, go to church in the living room, Judas Smith onto something. All of that may be, but at the end of the day, it's really to go back to the basics that Jesus taught us, mm-hmm. and to not grow weary in doing good, and to remain cour- courageous, and to call people to something, and to teach the word, and people's hearts will respond. And just remember that that you're in charge of faithfulness. That's what you're going to be, you know, held accountable to. And God's in charge of saving. And God God God's going to do the work through your faithfulness. So just be faithful.
0: Mm. What a great word. Well, JP, this has been really, really great. I'd love to have you back um, maybe a few months after Outdated comes out and we can talk more about it and just kind of the response you've received and, um, you know, what uh, what you've learned since then. And I know at this time you're about 18 months in the, the new church that you're at at Harris Creek yeah. and uh, in Waco, which everybody knows Waco now, 20 years so ago. Know, no one knew Waco except for David Koresh. And right. now it's all about Chip and Joe. So... Um, I, I'm so excited for your journey there and I cannot wait to talk to you again and, and hear more about what you're learning and, um, agreed. I I think, um, I think we have a lot in common. So thank you for being a part of this conversation and look forward to uh, the next time. Hey, thank you, friend. Thanks
1: so much for having me on. And I appreciate all you're doing and all that I, I continue to hear that God is doing through you. So I'm grateful. Thank you.
0: Well, thanks for listening. Make sure you hit subscribe and make sure you share this with a friend, especially if you've got a young adult friend who might be encouraged by this, share this with them. And next week, Brad Williams, my co-host, will be back and he and I sit down and discuss how can you have hope in 2021 when 2020 was so bad? Well, you don't want to miss that. And thank you to Growmenum and Stadia for sponsoring. And if you're interested in sponsoring the show, just contact me at rgeorge at reallifechurch.org.